0: Welcome, everyone, through all time and space to an all-new episode of Weebs on the Weekends, a podcast where we break down the anime news highlights of the week and give a retrospective look at anime that premiered 10 years ago. Today's episode will be covering the news from the second week of April 2021 and give our thoughts on whether to resurrect or rebury the 2011 anime Blue Exorcist. My name is Jay Johnson, a part-time weeb and full-time English language sensei, and with me, as always, is my co-host Sam Martinez, part-time weeb and full-time automail mechanic now sam i know we are weebs only on the weekends but given that april 15th has passed did you do anything special for national anime day
1: oh no that that was national anime day yeah the 15th yeah no i didn't i didn't realize that was national anime day i probably did something like watch i don't know to your eternity or something like that but nothing too spectacular now I feel like a pro- uh, an improper reeb. What did you do?
0: Oh, I caught up on all the anime that I didn't know I was going to watch. So like, I haven't watched a single episode of the anime that I talked about in a previous episode that I was excited for the spring season. So like, Ira McCoon, Welcome to Demon School just dropped his first episode today of the recording and like everything else, we've been watching My Hero Academia season five. I watched the first episode of To Your Eternity, which was on your list, which is such a beautifully animated first episode. It's just like, we'll talk about that in our three episode uh, review in a couple of episodes. But as a good weed, you know, myself, you know, I paid my... Subscription fee of being a weeb to the anime pope, of course, and the church of <laughs> anime, and basically just watch. Oh, I started to rewatch um, *Parasite*,
1: *The Maxim*. Oh yeah, the old oh, oldie but goodie.
0: Yeah, as a way to celebrate the day. But yeah, so yeah, so April the fifteenth was National Anime Day. That's the holiday day of weebs, but you know people can't make the mecca out to Akihabara and Tokyo. But yeah, so. Just to highlight, we missed one of the holy days of anime culture. So, Sam, you got some news for us, right?
1: I've got some news. This is your news, bro. But I can oh, say you look- you're right. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I do have the news. Oh,
0: my gosh, yeah. You picked Blue Exorcist because I've never seen it before. But, uh, yeah. So, anyways, I got the news. So, yeah. Exactly. Time, <laughs> time codes are going to be in the description. And we have the news for the second week of April, and we're going to start off with the first news story of four, where Netflix has announced that they will be streaming the Legendary Pictures live-action Gundam film. And Sam, I'm opening up with this because you're the advent Gundam fan, and I'm kind of getting deep into the Gundam fandom because of this project, because the director is Jordan Vogt. Roberts, and he did Kong Skull Island, which is like part of the whole 2014 Godzilla, then King of Monsters, and then most recently King Wait Godzilla versus Kong. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah, Godzilla versus Kong.
0: Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah, Yeah, because of course the lizard has to be first, and then he's also the director that has been on the Metal Gear Solid film for like the last three years. Oh. So he's like kind of a weeb, and you know, of his own that he's kind of pursuing a lot of projects that apparently people like what he's doing, even though he only has about five movies under his belt. And then there's also the screenwriter um, Brian K. Vaughn, who is known for like Saga, Runaways, Ex Machina. So I'm really excited for this project, Sam. But you requested that this be talked about, so can you tell me about why you excited?
1: Um, I'm glad that I got a chance to look into the article a little bit more because I was just excited that Jordan Vaught roberts was doing it because Kong Skull Island, af- out of all the other uh, monster uh, cinematic universe that we've seen with Godzilla and King Kong, it seems as though Kong Skull Island is the favorite for like the fans as well as for the casuals. And honestly, the writing and the directing was very, very strong in Kong Skull Island. So the fact that the property Kong was treated in such a way and basically made Kong popular again. Uh it makes me have faith in the Gundam franchise. I didn't realize that Brian Vaughn was uh yeah, that Brian Vaughn was doing the writing for the script. I read Why The Last Man. I read a lot of his runaways. I love his storytelling. So I really do feel as though that the script and the directing is in good hands. It also seems as though that they are trying to work together with sunrise. The article also mentioned that it's going to be more of an international thing now, because it's Hollywood and we have these two uh, big American uh, uh, playwrights or uh, writers and directors. I can see there being a huge American influence, but I can see it being evened out a little bit between the American uh, view and uh, the Japanese influence. I can see them at least doing a good job uh, balancing it out. So I'm uh, very, very excited.
0: Okay, that's fair for sure. Because if you look at yeah uh, Brian K. Vaughn, yeah, the ending to Why the Last Man Really Messes Me Up. And it's like one of those stories that is just beautiful and how, oh my God, that ending. I'm sorry. Yeah, now I'm going to get down a rabbit hole of how good his writing is. But Don't, don't, yeah, don't he, say
1: too much. I, I didn't get a chance to read the ending of it. I probably read the first graphic novel. I got to the part where they realized that the astronauts in space weren't affected. Oh,
0: okay. 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 Yeah. So I won't ruin the ending. But yeah, Brian Kane Vaughn's properties have all been... High profile in Hollywood because you know he did Ex Machina, got a adaptation, Runaways got an adaptation. I don't know about Saga right now because that's such a space trotting, um, space
1: Saga. Saga is pretty good, it's 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 a pretty fun, it's not as fast paced as Y or Runaways, but it is still very, very good, exactly.
0: Yeah, and I think the most important thing I want to talk to you about this new story, Sam, is that. Where do you actually think that this adaptation is going to go? Because, again, you know the multiple branch mm-hmm. theories, not branch theories, but like the universal timeline, the universal century timeline.
1: Yeah, the, the, the universal century, that's the main one. So that's the one with Gundam Unicorn. The very first uh, Gundam that that that's the main universe that we follow, and it's saying that the events of the movie takes place in uh, U- Universal Calendar zero one hundred and four, so it may be right after Unicorn and in between. I think it's Hathaway because there's supposed to be another, I think, a movie or an OVA that's coming out soon called Gundam Hathaway that's supposed to take place after the events of Unicorn. So I'm thinking it's that this live action movie is supposed to take place in between uh, that time slot.
0: Man, you're so knowledgeable, Sam. I wanted to surprise you with that because Hathaway, I think I, yeah, I think, yeah, because I'm on this side of the planet. I I messaged you about Hathaway and it's trailer dropping probably two months ago because mm-hmm. it was supposed to be slated for this spring season, but it was pushed because of the Big C to this to May of this year. So it's going to come out pretty soon now. So but it's Hathaway's Flash Hathaway's Flash and of course I looked into like now that we talked about Unicorn, I know a little bit about Bright Noah and some of, of the char and the um background to the Red Comet. So I like, I went further down the hole and <laughs> sunrise worked with legendary or that Legendary is responsible for Pacific Rim and that there is a lot of Easter eggs to Sunrise properties inside of Pacific Rim because Guillermo del Toro is such a weeb too. So that's where the original idea for like, oh, Legendary Pictures knows how to do big mechs. So Sunrise would definitely go to them. And Netflix, given that they're throwing money everywhere, is participating in this because Hathaway is supposed to be part of the... Uh, next, the UC Next 100 program or project. So okay. this is going to be part of it, as well as the Hathaway Flash and then one announced, unannounced program. So I'm very interested for Hathaway because the idea of a main character being part of a ter- terrorist organization going against the Earth Federation is so interesting and it looks to be everything around MEX, which is again What I love about uh, 2014 Godzilla, that Godzilla doesn't really show up at all. It's all about the human perspective. Same thing with Shin Godzilla. So I'm looking forward to this. But let's move on, Sam, because we keep talking about Gundam. I'm going to keep talking about Gundam. So (laughs) uh, second story for the news is that Crunchyroll has removed or will remove 10 anime series from its service. So on April 21st, Crunchyroll will lose the licensing for several or 10 anime series in total, as well as a live action series. So of the series, it is Meikaku Kaku city actors sound of the sky, which we did an episode on. So I'm yes. very sad and the very iconic, the idol master, which is a rhythm harem adaptation uh, series. So Funimation is going to continue to stream, uh, Mikaku, City Actors, and Sound of Sky. And the reason that I added this story in, because we are about four months after the merger of Crunchyroll and Funimation, and they're still doing their business about acquiring the resources of the other company, because they will control a monopoly of the broadcasting for anime in the West. So, Sam, do you feel like now that we're four months after the fact that this was a good thing, that Crunchyroll and Funimation
1: are combined? Well, I'm not entirely sure. It mainly just depends on, say, for instance, if you had a Funimation account uh, and a Crunchyroll account, because you you probably had to have them separately, whether or not they're going to merge the two or how they're going to help you properly manage your finances and whether or not these uh, anime that's being released, right? So, Sound of the Sky is that something that Crunchyroll is relinquishing to Funimation. So, Crunchyroll may not have it, but Funimation will have it. So, when everything is done with the merger, you'll still be able to watch it. Or, I, I guess I, I can only—I can't really think of a third party that's big enough to acquire that to become popular. Because, like you said, w- with Funimation and Crunchyroll. Are the big two biggest names here in the West? The only ones that I can think of that probably compete are Hulu, Verve. But Verve is just a Crunchyroll subsidiary, so that's still a monopoly. Maybe Amazon, but people don't really use Amazon Prime to do anime, so you know it, it's it's hard to see them do this properly without getting into a whole bunch of trouble here in the West. Exactly.
0: Because if even if like licensing drops, and of course Crunchyroll and Funimation have shared licensing from up until each of their creations until their merger. So if Crunchyroll starts losing licensings for certain properties, then of course Funimation can pick them up. So for right now, it seems like this merger is definitely going to save a lot of uh, maybe less popular series again, like Netflix was kind of supposed to be that they were supposed to be the archive of everything uh, digital, but that's yeah. not again, the direction they went with their business model. But if this merger, again, we're still looking to see what the fallout is or what is the repercussions of it. But this seems to be like one of those signal flares of like, Oh, this might be a good thing. So maybe it's still early to tell, but for right now that's a very short news story. So, Third one, again, this is a follow-up to one of your points that you brought up to attention to me, Sam, that our third news story is that Tiger and Bunny writer uh, writer's manga Tesla Note is getting a anime adaptation. So this author is Matsu, okay, always with the kanji, but the <laughs> Matsufumi Fumi uh, Nashida, who has been doing, has is responsible for Tiger and Bunny, also for this property known as tesla note which sam i have never seen this before this manga has its release in january and already has this past year no of this year this current year Uh, 2021 no 2021 yes man that's its first volume just wrapped yesterday and it has a anime announced so I am so in awe that this is a series of, or it's not even a series. It's just a volume about a ongoing spy war or shadow war looking for like lost inventions of Nicholas Tesla. And like that premise alone, like kind of gets everyone on board to like see this in action, especially for, you know, Tiger and Bunny's creator. But to say that, after one volume some some
1: somebody picks it up that's someone picks it up that
0: is on well maybe not unheard of but it's so unlikely because
1: it's very rare
0: yeah because the anime studios like to have some profit um projections of long-term uh financial like dependency before they say oh yeah we'll make this an anime so sam now that you know that tiger bunny's creator has coming up with a new anime. Do you have any thoughts about this property?
1: Oh, no, they will be very interesting. I, I'm i looking at the promo images right now. It seems very stylized, very unique in how it wants to portray its character. So I can see the anime itself being flashy. Even the manga cover, even though the, the everything's a little plain, it's still stylized. So it, it seems fun. It would be interesting to see the Tiger and Bunny creator uh, tackle a new genre Uh, because obviously in Tiger and Bunny there is a mystery aspect that he played around with. In the spy genre, there's nothing but mystery and suspense. So it seems like that's sort of the genre that's pulling him. So maybe we can see him sort of flourish and come into his own with as popular as tiger and bunny had became, I can see him being able to flourish and do so much more in a genre that he was already sort of tiptoeing around. So n- not only that, but uh, the type of characters that he makes, they're very fun and engaging. So I'm very interested to see uh, what he's going to go with this and how in-depth into Nikola Tesla's past he's going to go into as well, whether or not it's going to be educational or if it's just going to be a fun uh, sci-fi romp.
0: Right, because we've seen that in like Night Raid 1931 that there is always a direction you can take with espionage and somewhat of the sci-fi genre to mix that together to make something very interesting. And, like what you said, that the PV dropped, promotional video dropped, as well as the cast and the staff. So, that's usually the last thing they do before they drop like an actual trailer trailer. So, it does look like this series is going to be either premiering this summer or this fall or maybe winter 2022. And I'm interested in this because with only one volume out, it is going to be a. Anime that's based on a manga, but is going to immediately overlap it in like half of a season, like in a couple episodes. So hey,
1: what what do you think about that? Do you think we're going to have to that, that uh, we're going to run into the same issues, say, like back in the day with Naruto, even a little bit with Blue Exorcist that we'll talk about a little bit, too, where essentially the anime wants to keep going because of the momentum that it's gained. And there is no subject material, right? We only have one volume.
0: Exactly. So it's kind of like a pitch from a mangaka saying, like, oh, I have a really great idea. You should make an anime of it right now, even though I haven't written the story yet. And again, like, that's not a forced extension that we see with like a couple series, especially with like, we'll talk about again with Brutal Exorcist and like you said with Naruto. But this is going to be a situation of, Two thousand one Space Odyssey, yeah. Thank you. Because you're you're
1: talking about the movie with Hal, right?
0: Exactly. Yes. Twenty one. Yeah. Two thousand one Space Odyssey. Yeah. So that was a situation where the novelization and the movie script were written at the same time, and I think that's why this really caught my attention is because now that the anime is going to be based on the manga, but after the anime runs, the manga is probably going to be based on the anime. So yeah. I'm looking forward, and this is going to keep my attention for a long time until it comes out. But let's move on to our last story, which is the big news story of the week. That's Resident Evil, also known as Bio Biohazard, uh, Infinity or Infinite uh, Darkness, the CGI series, will premiere this year in July. So this is going to be from the director of Assassination Classroom, which oh. is like one of those... Um, beloved series that really no one talks about, really, because it has <laughs> like such memorable characters. It has a giant squid teacher, which I identify with severely. And you yeah, have
1: long, noodly arms, and you change colors depending on your emotion. Exactly.
0: And everyone loves me, <laughs> but wants to kill me, but they can't kill me because they love me. And. <laughs> The composer of the series is also from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stardust
1: Crusaders, as well as Psycho Pass. no. You serious? Oh, my goodness.
0: So it has some pretty heavy hitters behind it. And with the CG series, this is going to be like a first. Even the studio, which I'm going to try to pronounce, it is like q u e b i c o like k b co and it's a new studio this is their first property and the producers are of course because it's the residential uh resident evil franchise are capcom and netflix as well as tokyo pop is going to have a manga adaptation of it So there's a lot of weight being thrown around with something that really surprised everyone that this was in the works. So, Sam, how do you feel about Resident Evil coming to the anime space?
1: I've always heard good things about Resident Evil, that the second game and particularly the one with the main character that's in this trailer, uh, Leon, that that specific one was good there was also a big splash on the i don't know if it's considered a sequel it could be like what uh assassin's creed did back in the day where it's like assassin's creed one assassin's creed two and then assassin's creed two brotherhood where it's essentially a sequel to the second one where it adds stuff to it but it's not necessarily like a number chapter sequel uh, I'm just talking about the trailer where it's like village. I think it's resident evil. I forgot what the name of it was, but it uh, essentially it, it village is a uh, part of the title. It's, it's coming out right after resident evil seven. You're following Ethan, uh, one of the characters from resident evil seven. And you're essentially trapped in this village where you have this gigantic vampire lady and the internet just like blew up and fell in love with her when she was revealed there was a huge big hubbub and I'm really feeling the hype on it. And it seems like the storytelling, particularly for seven and the ones that had Leon in it had very good storytelling aspects to it. I'm also very happy about this, uh, at least like the direction that the show is going because, and I know like we, we've talked about different shows that uses CG, like this is CG done right in terms of an anime where they take it from a video game perspective, for instance, with uh, the Saint Seiya Netflix that oh, sorry, the Saint Seiya uh, uh, series that's on Netflix, that's CG. And it's good. Like, it's nice and fluid. It looks like it could have been done on a PlayStation 2 engine or something like that. But, like, the thing is, no, like, it's still fluid. Like, it doesn't feel janky like some of the newer anime that we've seen now that, you know, looks like they're using technology from 15 years ago. I mean, for instance, like, we've seen anime more up to date that or that's supposed to be using more up-to-date technology that looks worse than code lyoko how is that i mean it's it's, it's just mind-boggling to me why why uh studios won't try to make cinematic scenes i don't know maybe it, it's just like a lengthy process or something like that uh, I'm, I'm not sure like Uh, What what are your your thoughts on Jay? Am am, am I uh, just tripping or?
0: No, not tripping at all. I was just like agreeing. I was just slowly nodding with you because (laughs) the hype around Resident Evil right now has kind of been building over the past couple of years because you said like they've had their main line series. There's also been revisiting and remaking um, as well as like other series that have hit and miss like Metal Gear Solid comes to mind as well as the Final Fantasy franchise so that Resident Evil is giving this treatment that they're giving CGI the attention that it needs. Like, very much, this trailer that they dropped looks like something from Death Stranding, which is yes. a very polished passion project by, oh, I'm going to mess up his name, but it's the creator of the Metal Gear Solid series. And you see that this project or like the series is going to be given a lot of love it seems like is going to be the trend to give resident evil like maybe a solid standing because like all that we really have in the west from at resident evil is the paul west anderson movies with mila jovovich that has like seven six movies maybe i dropped around to, to, i dropped to, out to be, like fair, three.
1: to be fair though right that's just showing you how much of an impact the video game franchise has Right, because a movie director essentially made his living because of his love for the franchise. may granted, his movies may not be all that great, but you know he's using that source material and it's sort of. Gave him the fame that he has and recognition that he has today,
0: yes, even though he's like the director of um, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. yeah, Paul West Anderson has a very sketchy background track with record. all these ad- yeah track record of all these adaptation properties and like ruining people's childhoods. So <laughs> um, yeah, so now that yeah, you know, Resident Evil' is like making a comeback, I'm just very excited to see that this is the direction that they're going to take with it. So, the story for this, uh, for uh, Infinity Darkness, is the like, basically two stories of uh, Jade and Billy Wesker. And Wesker is kind of like the big bad of the series. But it's taking place in two timelines where it is their childhood in New Raccoon City. So like we kind of have that familiar setting of the same residential franchise. But then there's going to be a time skip to... A decade later, where Jade is going to be surviving in a world where most of the population has been taken over by the T-virus. So it's going to be split between those two. And I'm very excited to see how they use CGI with like monster creatures. And there's really horrific imagery when it comes to the Resident Evil franchise. So even though I'm squeamish for those things, I'm looking forward to it. But Sam, uh, any final thoughts before we move on to our anime review
1: no just that like i'm very excited and i'm kind of wishing that i had gotten my uh i I had gotten the ps5 because i think uh resident evil village is only available on the ps5 and i've seen trailers for it as you said it's very horrific i would i i am a bit squeamish too when it comes to those imagery but i feel as though like i would have a fairly fun time playing it. it's not like uh I'm trying to remember there was there was another video game that that I tried my hand at. I can't remember the name of it, but it, essentially you were a reporter with a camcorder and you were supposed to get in and out of this uh, asylum trying to find the secrets of the asylum and you, you couldn't fight in that one, so like that was the point of the game and with that one, I essentially fear quitted because it, it it got me too scared to try and figure out uh what was going on in the story but i feel as though with resident evil like there's it's just scary enough but like the story is that much more interesting that i would want to keep playing despite how scared and how gory everything is so but like again yeah, you know i'm i'm just excited and i i'm definitely going to watch it on netflix and it's not streaming right it's just going to be uh released on net uh, on netflix like how they did uh castlevania things like that right jay or or are they going to be streaming it like the gundam movie yeah
0: it's all going to drop in july uh on netflix yeah so yeah the video that you mentioned was outlast the video game that you mentioned was outlast and it's yeah terrifying which came out around the same time as pt which was basically trapping you in a scary place and having monsters chase after you and all you can do is really hide and be terrified. But yeah, so uh, that wraps up the news for this week, Sam. And now we move on into our 10-year review of the series Blue Exorcist. And you picked this and I'm so glad that you did. So (laughs) Sam, uh, can you tell us either why you picked it, why you love it
1: and more? Oh my goodness, I'm trying not to step on the soapbox too, too much. I would have to say I was put onto this anime by a by my godbrother uh, back around the time when it came out. It didn't have an anime, but he told me about the manga, and so I read a little bit of the manga, and the manga was written very, very well. When the anime came out, I was just ecstatic. The adaptation... At the time, when it was coming out halfway through the season, it was very good. It was very close to the source material. The music and the animation was done well. It's also one of the animes where when I had suggested it to my friends at the time, when they had started watching it, they had liked it too, and they started watching it with me. So it was one of those, I guess I would say it's a mile marker for my weebness, and the fact that you know I was able to find an anime that was just suggested to me that I liked I was able to suggest it to other people. they liked it too, and we were sort of watching it in tandem. And before I get into the synopsis, uh, giving a bit of an overview about it, Jay, when this anime came out in 2011, were you aware of it? Did you know about it? Was this your, or, or was this your first time being exposed to Blue Exorcist?
0: No, I was definitely exposed. Again, this is falling into the series of, wow, that looks really good. I'm never going to watch that. And now <laughs> 10 years later, I'm watching that. So yeah, so I want you to explain the synopsis, but the whole uh, characterization of the main character is kind of iconic. It's kind of like, if I would say like something that preceded Kirito, like his whole edgy, edge lord edgy edge lord kind of aesthetic of black waistcoat flapping in the wind and dual wielding swords that yes. the main character ren is kind of he he's kind of like the other shonen protagonist of our like of that time and like i think a lot of people have forgotten about that because maybe blue extras just went under the radar it definitely went under the radar for me but like the design for ren is so eye catching and His whole power system of how he uses his powers is so engaging. But Sam, yeah, tell us about, and that's really what like stuck in my mind. It's like, wow, he has blue flames. That is so cool. Yeah, but (laughs) yeah, tell me about it. Tell me about it.
1: Okay, so essentially in the world of Blue Exorcist, there are humans and demons, two sides of the same coin, Asaya being the realm where the humans lived in and Gehenna being uh, the realm of the demons. And there's very uh, few ways of traveling in between these two realms. And there, because even though it is possible, like these are the sources of uh, ghost stories in the world. And in this... Universe. Satan is the rule of Gehenna and is doing his best to get into Asaya. However, he can't find a host that would tolerate his possession. So, in an attempt to do that, he send he he, he in, instead of allow in, instead of trying to find a host that can take him, he essentially tries to make himself a host, uh, getting uh, people to bear his children, and. In the story, we follow a Ren Okamura who is an ordinary uh, teenager who seems to be tr- uh, a little, little have time, uh, sorry have difficulties getting in and out of trouble. Uh, essentially, he doesn't look for trouble, but trouble sort of finds him, and he doesn't uh, essentially does do his best to make it uh, smooth over all that well. And essentially, he is ambushed one day by demons, and he is, discovers to find out that he himself is, in fact, the son of Satan. The, and then uh, the demons are trying to bring him back to his father so that his father can possess him so that he can go to Asaya and conquer it. So not wanting to join their forces... He, in fact, decides to train and become an exorcist so that he can defend his home, his family, and, in fact, try to do his best so that he can one day, in fact, slay Satan. This uh, series falls under the genre of action, demons, fantasy, shonen, supernatural. Its rating is PG-13 and older, even though... It's PG thirteen and older. It's uh, given the designation of mature on Netflix, and I think that that's a very good uh, reason. The author also uh, Kazue Kato was said to be inspired by the two thousand five film Brothers Grimm movie in making this franchise. Instead of taking a cynical approach, she took a more real world approach. And that's how she was able to get her characters. She also said uh, one one thing that we could talk about, too, about how the uh, how how big of a presence the Western church is in an Eastern story. She said that uh, she didn't want to run away from the biblical references because uh, she's working in the exorcist genre and. She uh, did have an ending planned, but she wasn't sure how to get there. So her saying that, I can see why the anime did what it did in regards to the story. And we can talk a little bit about that later. So, oh, one other thing too that I forgot to mention is that uh, Okamura Rin, he has a twin brother as well who in uh, these three episodes we find out is an exorcist too. And definitely their dynamic is one that, again, we we, we can uh, begin discussing a little bit later. But Jay, what's – I know like there's you you said that there's a lot that you want to talk about what's the first thing that you really want to address in regards to this franchise now that you have taken the time to watch this anime that you thought that you never would watch but you always wanted to
0: this is supernatural uh you know the the tv uh cw show that had like i guess 17 seasons 17 seasons it hurt so much that this is so supernatural even though (laughs) supernatural had a anime that came out this year as well which is also like weird coincidence but also i didn't know that this was a genre like this was a combination of genres that i love apparently because
1: yeah
0: irama kun welcome to demon school is the same idea that the student is in school, they have demonic powers, they have to work with a colorful cast of characters and like ragamuffins, <laughs> it's also with Juju Kaisen, which this is so Juju Kaisen as well, it like hurts as well.
1: And, I would have to say this is the progenitor that allowed Juju Kaisen to happen because it takes place in the school
0: setting like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and then there's Soul Eater as well that came out um, uh, a few yeah, years yeah, before yeah. this. There's Gray Greyman. Also, and I was like, these are all animes I thoroughly enjoy, and I enjoyed this as well, even if I didn't like, I knowingly know that I enjoyed all those elements together. So, that's the first thing I want to say is that this is so supernatural that it hurts, and that it I'm in love with it. It hurts me good because, <laughs> like, supernatural, like, for those first maybe five seven seasons before like it blew up and they did the force extension. Cause there's like a dead stop to that show where you can, you don't have to watch anymore. There is a wrap up, there's a conclusion, there's an epilogue. And then there's a little tagged on scene to that ruins everything and like say, Oh yeah, we're going to continue for another 10 years when we had a complete story. But yeah, so mm-hmm. it, it's, is a wonderful thing that I revisit this now because this is such a strong First episode is a strong three episode ruling. And just to say right off the bat, it passes because Ren is such a good delinquent character that he has like this rough exterior because he's battling with literally demonic uh, ambitions or demonic heritage in his, like is he has those conflicting um, parentage basically yes. in his nature. And that's why he has that delinquent attitude but has that heart of gold because in the first episode we see that there are kids basically killing animals like now that I've been watching Parasite the Maxim there was also a scene where bullies were like buried a dog up to its neck and was throwing rocks at it but here there's like bullies and they have a crossbow Yeah, they're killing birds so and even with the opening scene again with violence that just comes out of nowhere with these animes Sam just like oh, <laughs> you know it's coming into this for a chill time but no like blood gushing from your eyes and priests getting set on fire so yeah it's a, it's a lot to take in but like to say that these three episodes are well structured you get a good sense of the main character you get a good sense of the brotherly love between him and Yuki Yuki Yukiyo, and as well as knowing what happens to his father is so heartbreaking because you see that they have literally a genuine Relationship, even though he only is in there for like two episodes.
1: As I'm rewatching this again, I'm starting to realize like why I liked it uh, so much. A lot of it has to do with the characters and their familial bond. As I'm watching it, I'm constantly reminded of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right, I, I was a big fan of those. And when you were talking about Rin just now, it sort of reminded me of like you know, that sort of delinquent character. If you remember Raphael, the one in red, he was the one that was always charged, seemed like he was always looking for a fight. It's just that with him, he was so compassionate and that the only way that he knows how to express his compassion is through physical acts, right? And because he knew how to fight, that was sort of his language that he spoke through. And we see that through Okamora Rin. Were you know in in the opening uh scene and like with everything else so, well not even in the opening scene like in the scene where he's trying to get the job right he's very earnest and he does what he needs to do we see him carry fifty boxes at you know at one time right he's just gun ho uh all, all all go no stop and because of that he's not very graceful so when we see him trying to recapture a scarf from a demon he does the same thing he bolts out as much as he can but because he's you know doing everything to the best of his ability he doesn't think about grace in terms of trying to twist and turn not run into other people and break things in the process of trying to get this scarf so like there's that we see in yukio the cool uh calmish character who's conflicted, who has qualms and stuff, but he puts more weight in the situation that he doesn't air his opinion. So his character reminds me a little bit more of Leonardo and Donatello from The Turtles in the sense of, you know, like that cool demeanor who is a natural leader and he essentially is weaker than Rin. But because he learned at an earlier age that Ren. Had inherited the demon powers, and that he didn't. He felt that it, it was his responsibility to get as strong and as fast as, as he could, so that he himself can protect Rin. Uh, again, with uh, the father, the father was just reminding me of like the uh, Splendor character, and the father being Shiro Fujimoto. He's an actual priest, so some people call him father. But like the thing is, when the kids were talking to him, they called him dad. And that just gave me goosebumps because when the Turtles call Splinter dad, instead of, you know, just like Master Splinter, Master Splinter being the honorific, but like when they're being intimate, they call him dad. And it was just like, yes, you know, this is, I I guess like it's also the Catholic in me too, because his portrayal, it's such a, it's so refreshing not to see a, uh, caricature of what people think that a Catholic priest is essentially being somebody who is hypocritical and some sort of uh, closet pervert who's using their uh, stance to manipulate their congregation. But somebody who is earnest, somebody who is wise, somebody who is trustworthy that people go to, and we see how compassionate he is, especially to his surrogate sons. It's just, again, like it's, it's just very refreshing. And even that scene in the, uh, in the, in the monastery with the other priests, right? Uh, they're side characters. We don't know their names, but they're given personalities, they're given different power sets. They're not essentially just cannon fodder, especially in that first scene, right? It serves multiple purposes in the sense that you tell that – or you you can see that in Exorcist, there are different ways of exercising demons. But because of how different their abilities are, you get a sense of their personality too. So uh, that's a little bit of my soapbox, uh, why I liked it uh Jay but you kept on going past the 3 episodes what was it that made you keep going It was
0: the showdown between in episode 3 there is a showdown between the brothers and that you have to you have to you see it from both perspectives is that their father just died and one of the brothers was quote unquote responsible and Yukio's is definitely torn because he falls into that category of due diligence for I'm my brother's keeper. And there's even a scene where he pulls a gun on Ren and you get real emotion because he has that calm exterior. That's why Leonardo. So for your example, for Ninja Turtles is that Leonardo is always calm. He's soft spoken, but when his anger flares up, you know, like, Oh, this is where, him and Raphael are going to throw down. And then there's like different iterations where like Leonardo will win or Raphael will win. But in this situation in Blue Exorcist, Ren has already tapped into his demonic powers already that when he moves towards Yukio in that fight, Yukio like hesitates even though Ren moves fast past him very quickly to slay like a demon behind him. So you get this real sense of this brother's dynamic and, that's going to be the core of the show as well as like this delinquent class, which is like a mixed bag of people from like different parts of this. And like, even in these first three episodes, sorry, I'm, I'm going multiple places, but yes. the idea that this world in these first three episodes is so well built because like there's like architecture, like attention to detail. There's the mephistopheles character that can turn into a dog. And there's like these weird color schemes to like, room of this classroom because when he, Ren shows up to this class his brother's the teacher because he's even though he's a year younger than Ren he's already
1: oh no no they're, they're twins they're twins he he was just the second one that that came out
0: oh okay yeah he calls him younger brother yeah my bad yeah younger brother so it is a situation that the older brother kind of has to live up to the expectations of the younger brother but then there's also this we don't really get their personalities yet. We do like get a tomahawk blonde kid again with Japanese schooling that's illegal or that's a clear sign of a delinquent. But then there's like a hooded character in the back who's probably going to be mute throughout the show or has like real comedy stylings. And okay and also the comedy of these three episodes is so strong as well because the father character Shiro has this Maze Hughes vibe about him. Yes. That even if, it's kind of like if Maze Hughes and Jiraiya from uh, Naruto were kind of blended together.
1: Oh, and, man, so we should have known that he was going to get the axe.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's why I made those two exact
1: comparisons. So,
0: yeah, so, yeah, so even that, the whole scene that you were saying with uh, the scene at the grocery store and he saves a little girl. And there's a very quiet moment of the girl like saying no dad, I, I see demons. And like, Ren's like, sir, your daughter is perceptive enough to see like beyond the veil. And like, then Shiro, the father comes in like, okay, I believe you little girl, this is the job of an exorcist. And this is a world built around the idea that exorcist is a profession. Like there's a school that's just out in the open. So like same thing with like soul eater, it's just part of the world's aesthetic. So again, like, It's like, has this like good comedy styles of like Devils the Part-Timer. It has like that FMA um, look to it. Again, A1 Pictures. I think we talked about, I think all of our anime up till now have been A1 Pictures, but it has that great character design. I wasn't seeing the character design in, uh, what did we just talk about? Oh, Ghostic, Ghostic. I didn't see like the character design of Edward Elwick in this, so that is on point. There is also the mystical elements that Mestephiles represents because he turns into a dog. So there's like this Trinity blood kind of feel to it as well. So everything that I have seen later in like animes recently, like Juju Kaisen and Yermakun, um, even Black Clover, is like. Blue Exorcist just has it in spades in these first three episodes, so that's why I kept going.
1: I would have to say my because I I did watch the first season in its entirety, and I did read uh, the manga up to a point. I I am out of date, but uh, essentially when the uh, anime came out, the the way that the that the author had published the manga instead of a weekly thing, she would drop the chapter every month but the thing is the chapter would be so long that it would carry over so the anime caught up to the manga a little bit around uh 1415 uh the manga was in the middle of an arc and it was which is now uh the Kyoto arc right so the first 26 episodes happened and then there was a second installment of Blue Exorcist known as the Kyoto Arc, which came out in 2017. So essentially, after uh, the events uh, that took place where uh, Ren's secret is revealed, then you're supposed to go to Kyoto. But the way that the story went, it sort of... Took the liberties like the original Full Metal Alchemist did in making their own ending. But I can see that the author was involved in it as well because the things that happened in the tail end of that anime are things that we see resurface in the manga, but much later on. So when she said that she had an idea of the ending, she's just trying to uh, figure out how to get there. Knowing that, you can see that the tail end of the first season was sort of her trying to figure out how she wanted to end the series. Because like there were ideas that she reused again in the, in the, in the manga. And I feel as though that Blue Exorcist would definitely benefit from a sort of brotherhood uh, reimagining. Uh, especially when the series is over. Because as you said, the beginning, the first three seasons, uh, three episodes are great. And even up until the change where it goes off of uh, continuity, it's just very close to the source material. And it's just very well done. I didn't get a chance to see the Kyoto arc. I probably should just to see how close it is. Mainly because... In the beginning, we see her, the author, tackle Western, uh, the, the the Western uh, iteration of like demons and things like that. You know, talking about Satan, Satan, Metastopheles, things of that nature. But with the Kyoto arc, we get to see her shift her focus from the Western view of the supernatural to the Eastern view of the supernatural. And we get to uh, get more background on. Uh, Suguro, which is the Mohawk character that you're talking about, him and his family, as well as the chick with the funny eyebrows and her families, and what their ties are to the spiritual realm. And for me, being a Westerner, it's very interesting seeing them take take that perspective because, essentially, with the Exorcist, it's from uh, that of like the it's it, it's it's giving me a proper gaze from with a Western lens. Right. So I'm seeing Eastern culture through a Western lens from an Easterner. So it's, it's, it's very, very accommodating to me. And I like it (laughs) if that makes any sense, but, um, no, like again, just like the animation, the fights and Oh my goodness, the music, What were your thoughts on the music, if you can uh, give me uh, some words?
0: Uh, It's just that, well, of what you just said, like, I listened, I watched it in the dub, and that the dub was really excellently, like, recorded and acted out. So you really feel like uh, the character of Ren is, like, that delinquent. It comes through in his voice performance. But the music especially, I noticed it strongly in the well one it opens up strongly with some orchestral music I'm trying to think yes. about what that's actually called but um and then in the scene of Shiro dying you really get the sense of dread and through the music and I made points of saying like what does music add to animation and that Blue Exorcist does know what it's doing and I didn't write down the composer but for the work that they did in like these first three episodes really nails home that the first three episodes are emotional. You get in the first episode, the drama of Ren basically dealing with those dual natures, but that's just a coming of age story. He is a superhero that's trying to figure out what it is like trying to pretend to be human, even though he knows he's not human yet. So like, if you think about like invincible recently is that he's discovering his superpowers and then that makes him different. And at the end, Shiro drops the bomb oh you're actually the son of Satan and then he loses his father in the next episode and then he has a face off against his brother which they have like a very good against sibling dynamic and like Yukio Yukio yeah like his like very somber uh, droning plays to his character so everything like the music composition for the first three episodes is just one point
1: very and I would have to say just touch a little bit on that relationship too because they they do the relationship between Rin and Shigeru uh, – I'm sorry, Shiro uh, very, very well because you get like – you definitely get like that sense of what it means to be a parent. How essentially anything that your kid says to you, how much of an impact that has on you, even though you don't physically show it, you, you definitely see the repercussions of that. And so just uh, chef's kiss on the family dynamic – And uh, all the iterations and even, again, like the characterizations because we even get to see how Rin, he's an awesome chef, right? So like little quirks like that just showing you that uh, the author is very intentional about her characters and doesn't want to make them just – one dimensional. So just to close this off, I know like I've been on the soapbox a whole lot. So I'm just gonna say my verdict very quickly in terms of uh reburying or um I forgot what the other word was, Jay. Please remind me. Resurrect. Resurrect. I choose a resurrection. What about you?
0: Uh yeah, I mean I've been on board with that since the first thing I said is that I would not be surprised like with the hype that Studio Mappa has done for Juju Kaisen, they're going to say, Oh, k- time to revisit Blue Exorcist. Because again, like season two came out in 2017, like you said, so we're a little bit out of probably out of range of a third season. But there was a movie, there was a stage play, there was a second uh, manga that showed the life of Yukio, and like uh, it has a very interesting title that's escaping me right now. But the This is a ongoing series since 2009. There's 26 volumes. So like she's paying attention to her characters. She has the world. There is a dedicated audience for it. And given that there is like this, again, like it's a combination of genres that I love and always tune in for that. If in 2023, there's like, oh, there's going to be a third season of Blue Exorcist. Or even if they want to redo it, like they're doing with Shaman King then I'm on board. So it is definitely a resurrect for me. So Sam, that wraps up our 10-year review. That is a resurrect from both of us on Blue Exorcist. So that closed out our episode. Our next episode is undecided at the moment because I have changed my mind about what I want to watch but for right now, uh, can you close us out, Sam?
1: And shepherds, we shall be for thee, my Lord, for thee. Power hath descended forth from thy hand that our feet may swiftly carry out thy command. So we shall flow a river forth to thee, and teeming with show shall it ever be. In nomine Patri, it fili, spiritus sancti.